The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at their harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Median's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord God Almighty will accomplish this. The word of the Lord. Thank you so much, Spring. So doesn't this place look amazing? I mean, I, 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 love, I love coming in here the week after, you know, the Thanksgiving craziness and seeing this place transformed into a winter wonderland. It's, uh, we've had some really uh, terrific volunteers, Sarah and many others, uh, get the credit for this, and I'm really grateful. So thank you for doing that. So we just heard this passage of scripture read by Spring, and about 700 years before the birth of Christ, the prophet Isaiah introduces Israel to the coming Messiah. Can you believe that? 700 years before his birth. And there was something about the message of this child a child that would be born, a son that would be given. And because of Israel's disobedience, God had allowed the Assyrians to basically rule over all of Israel. And so they're in this time of dark oppression. And many of the Israelites at this time assumed that God had abandoned them. 
Many of them had walked away from their faith, just assumed that God was somewhere else, focusing on other things. Have you ever been in a dark place? Have you ever been in a dark place emotionally or spiritually? The Israelites were in a very dark place. Have you ever been in a dark place physically? Where suddenly the power goes out. And suddenly you're, you're searching frantically for matches, a candle, maybe a flashlight. Stumbling around in the darkness. It's pitch black. Some of you may remember Y2K. Do you remember that? Some of you may remember. There was this serious concern about a computer glitch, you may remember, called the Millennium Bug. And the idea or the thought was that because of this bug, all the computers around the world would shut down at the turn of the new century, causing a global power outage. In early 1999, Time magazine wrote an article about the impending doom that was to come. And I remember my dad reading that article And he decided that he was going to do something about it, to prepare, to protect our family. And so he transformed a room in our basement into what we affectionately call the Y2K room. He stocked it with all kinds of dehydrated food, bottled water, everything that you would need. It was like a bunker in our basement. And then out in the garage... He, he installed a generator, a huge generator with a 100-gallon tank for fuel. And he connected that generator to the house so that if and when the power went out, we as a family would have power and we would have food and we would have the things that we needed. He spent thousands of dollars preparing for this. And I remember on New Year's Eve, sitting in front of the TV like many of us do, Champagne in hand, party favors, whatever we needed to celebrate the coming new year. Noisemakers. But we weren't just celebrating the turn of the new century. We were celebrating the coming power outage that we'd been anticipating for so long. It had been on the news for weeks, months. And so when nothing came of it, we all had a good laugh. That is, except for my dad. (laughs) My dad was deeply disappointed that this didn't come to pass. And I think that he really wanted to be the only house in the neighborhood that was shining bright in the midst of all this darkness. I remember after everything, he even stayed up to make sure that maybe, maybe when the time changes in another part of the world, that's when it will happen. He stayed up and waited until basically there was no hope for this outage. I remember him saying just before getting ready for bed, at least there could have been a brownout. <laughs> Three years later, I was here in New York, here in New York City. The date was August 14th. 2003. How many of you remember that day? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That was the day that New York had its infamous power grid failure. You remember? It started in Canada, 
and it worked its way down to New York. How many of you were here? Yes, yes, quite a few of you. Good, good. If you'll remember, essentially the power was out and it extended throughout this metro area all the way up to Toronto. And if you look at this map, you can see the section where it's blackened out. That's where the power was out. Cell phones didn't work. Trains didn't work. Streetlights didn't work. Traffic was jammed up all over the place. With no trains, everybody came out from underground, flooded the streets. No one could get anywhere except by foot. And really, no one knew what to do. It was really a surreal moment for our time here in the city. Everything coming to a standstill. And then night fell. Night fell. And suddenly, we realized how vulnerable... We were as a city without power and without light. Our great city, so strong and powerful throughout the world, was helpless apart from power and light. And there wasn't seemingly anything that we could do about it. Most people walked home, wherever that might be. It was surreal seeing the city that never sleeps in complete darkness. That was until I saw one building that was lit up in the city. One building lit up in the midst of the darkness. And I remember being drawn to that building and I walked toward it. As I got closer, I realized that it was the W Hotel on Broadway. All the other Buildings around were completely dark, but the W Hotel was lit up. When I came up to the the hotel, the lobby, I saw people celebrating inside. They were drinking, they 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 were relaxing, they were laughing. Somehow, those who stayed at the W on that day were in a place unlike any other where the light stayed on. I thought, how could this be? So I went up to one of the revelers, and I said, how is this possible? And they said that the W Hotel was built right after 9-11. And the architect, for security reasons, decided that it would make sense to install generators in case something like this happened. And so when all the other buildings around the city went dark, the W Hotel was light. It was light. They had power on the inside that was not dictated by circumstances on the outside. They had power on the inside that was not dictated by circumstances on the outside. Isn't that interesting? That's what all of us need, if you think about it. We need a power on the inside that is not dictated by circumstances on the outside. And that is exactly what Isaiah is prophesying when he's talking about the coming of Christ. This plan, this prophecy, would come in the form of a little baby hailing from Bethlehem. A baby that would spend his first night in a lowly manger and yet grow up to become the light of the world, the savior of mankind. 
And if we fast forward to 2018, you might say, we're still in dark days. There's a lot of darkness in this world, even now. When you turn on the news at night, aren't we all just a little bit afraid of what we are hearing and seeing around the world? There's a lot of unrest. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of darkness. On every level, darkness is crouching in, and many people are walking in darkness. That's how it was for Israel when Isaiah came on the scene and introduced Jesus. He said, the people are walking in darkness, have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You know what this is? This is a well-lit verse in the midst of a very dark chapter. A well-lit verse in the midst of a very dark chapter. For some of us, the holidays can be a very dark time. I was talking with Precious this morning, and she said, you know what, every year, the holidays, the time when you think it would be the most celebratory time, the time when you think everyone would be happy, that's when I struggle. And I know that's not just true for Precious. I know that's true for many of you. The holidays can be a hard time. It can be a dark chapter. And if you are in a dark chapter in this season, or even if you're not in a dark chapter, you should know that you're probably heading toward one. Or that you just left one. Because this world is filled with dark chapters. That's just the reality of our life. And so Isaiah brings a word of hope in the midst of hopelessness. This verse in this dark chapter is for you. If you are feeling the weight of this season. Or the challenge of darkness encroaching in upon you. What is hope? What is hope? Hope is joyful expectation about the future. That's what hope is. Joyful expectation about the future. It's always future-oriented. Did you know that? Always future-oriented. It's never addressing your current circumstances. It's always anticipating where you're going and not where you've come from or where you've been. That's not what hope is. Hope is the expectation that your tomorrow will be brighter than your yesterday and that your future will be brighter than your past. That's what hope is. And that's what Christ brings into a dark chapter of our lives. If you're not a believer, you may not know where hope comes from. And that may be part of the weight that you are feeling if you are a believer, you know where hope comes from. You've experienced that light on the inside that is not dictated by circumstances on the outside. For those walking in darkness, God has given a great light, a child of hope and promise, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. These are just some of the names this week, my wife has been at home, and she's been making tree ornaments for our Christmas tree. 
And she's calling them Jesus men. They're like little gingerbread men. And on each of the gingerbread men, she writes one of the names of God. And our tree is now covered with little gingerbread men that have the names of God as a reminder of what we're celebrating. Isn't that cool? Now, the first thing that comes to mind when I read Isaiah's introduction of Jesus is the fact that Jesus is divine. Jesus is divine. He isn't just a wonderful counselor. He isn't just a great teacher. He isn't just a good example. He is mighty God. He is in control of all things. He understands your circumstances. He knows your need, and he is capable of meeting them. In Isaiah 7:14, it reads like this. It says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she will call him Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. God is with you. He has not abandoned you. He is walking with you, even in your time of darkness. He is the creator of, of all things. He holds everything together by the power of his word. He made himself small enough to fit into a manger, and yet he's big enough to supply the entire world all of its needs. You might look at your circumstances and say, it's impossible. It really is impossible. And Jesus says, with me, all things are possible. You might say, but I'm tired. And Jesus says, come to me, and I will give you rest. You might say, but I can't go on. But Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for you. He is the mighty God. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the light that shines in the midst of our darkness. And if you were here last week, you might remember Nick reminding us that our primary objective, the goal that we should have, the goal that we should carry, our primary purpose is to love God, to know God, and to make him known. To make him known. We know that people are going to fail us. People are going to fail us. People are going to disappoint us. And the organizations that we work for may fire us or go out of business. Stuff happens. We know that our health is likely to deteriorate. And we know that even if we are healthy right now, a day is coming that we're going to die. And everybody that we love is going to die as well. We may lose all of our earthly possessions. It says in the word that kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But how how does the song go? But there's something about that name. Jesus. He, and only he, has the power to save, to redeem, to restore. And the Old Testament is filled with hundreds of prophecies introducing him again and again. Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming, the likes of whom you have never seen. More than 300 prophecies where he'd be born. The things that he'd do, the things that he would say, how he would die, how he would rise from the dead and break the chains of sin and death. And we also learn that he is coming again, and that's part of the Advent story as well. We are living in the midst of this story. We are part of this story. 
So this story is for you and for me. And if you think about it, it's entirely appropriate that the hope of the world would come in the form of a baby. Babies are hope personified. Have you ever looked at a baby and thought, nah. <laughs> No, we cannot look at a baby and say, nah. Because babies have this thing about them. It's like everything is possible. Everything is in front of them. Everything is future-oriented. It's hard not to smile when you see a baby. Because they represent pure potential. Pure potential. Was there ever a mother or a father that didn't look in the face of their newborn with awe and wonder and ask the question, what will this child become? What will this child become? A doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a painter, a ballerina, an astronaut, a college professor, a worship leader, an athlete, a scientist? What will this child become? Everything is possible right now. And when our children get a little bit older, just old enough to understand, we tell them, you can do anything you set your mind to. Nothing is going to stand in your way. Because God is with you, he's equipped you, he's, he's empowered you, and you can do it. And we believe it. They believe it. We say the world is your oyster. The world is your oyster. Just go out there and claim it. Take it. Imagine how Mary would have felt the first time she looked at the face of Jesus. Knowing that a year prior, an angel had come to her and said this. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. That's a pretty good resume. I mean, Mary must have been thinking, I'm holding the future of the world in my hands. What an incredible opportunity. What an incredible burden of responsibility. And yet the joy. Mary was holding in her hands the fulfillment of God's promises. And so my question to you today is, do you know him? Have you placed your hope in him? Are you doing all that you can to make him known? What would keep you from sharing the greatest news there ever was? What would keep you? I came across a video of Steve Harvey. You remember Steve Harvey? Do you know Steve Harvey? The comedian? Really funny guy. I was looking at, just randomly looking at Steve Harvey videos, and I see on one of the titles, Steve Harvey introduces Jesus. And I'm like, well, this I have to see. <laughs> so I watched the video, and I could not believe what I saw. I couldn't believe it. And so I want to show you that video today, and then I want to talk about it with you. Okay, you ready? Let's take a look. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long 
to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine. No special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the rose of Sharon, and some say he's the prince of peace. Get up on your feet, put your hands together, and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. God is good. things that struck me about this video right away was that this was not a church service. That was at the Apollo Theater in New York. It was not the Dove Awards. It was a comedy night that Steve Harvey had put on, which tells me that most of the people in that room that night were not believers. They didn't come there for a sermon. They weren't looking for a sermon. They weren't expecting a sermon. And yet, there was something about the words that Steve shared that caused people to get up on their feet and praise him. There's something about light coming into places of darkness and transforming things. A predominantly secular audience, and he had the audacity to introduce Jesus in the most profound way that he could. That was a considerable risk, if you think about it. That could have cost him his career. And yet he did it with conviction and sincerity. And I love the response. There's something about the name of Jesus. There's a lot of people 
that need a light on the inside that is not dictated by circumstances on the outside. And many of you have the answer to that. And if you don't know him, let me just assure you that he wants to know you. And if you already know him, maybe he will give you the privilege of introducing him to someone who needs that light. He is the light of the world and the hope of our future. Will you pray with me?